Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Lagunitas IPA of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, a.k.a. Who the fuck broke my flotsam and jetsam commemorative plate? <laughs> <laughs> and, well, now it's now it's jetsam. Um, <laughs> and I am the Black Metal Guy, a.k.a. Emperor, but Mortis stays in the band. And together, uh, he and Samoth... Have a com- have have a combined might that enables them to overthrow Ison, and uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, to 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 conquer him and make him their keyboard slave, and uh, together they determine the direction of the band. Uh, oh and, man, in a better world, dude. Yeah, yeah, man. This so is- I, this. Was there anything more disrespectful than Samoth's listing on uh, Prometheus as additional guitars? Ugh! I've, I don't even know that. I don't even listen to Prometheus, so that's... that's well, yeah, nobody ad- nobody does, but yeah, that's literally how guitars. he's credited. That's how he's yeah, fucking Sa- credited. Oh, man, we should make Samoth, Samoth a man. Samoth, the guy in the band who just wants to play, like, riffs and, you know... Oh man! Well, I've um, I've always said Prometheus is te- it's it's the first Ison album. Yeah, Nine yeah. Equilibrium is the last Emperor album. So, um, thing, yeah. So I was thinking about that possibility because I was, um, uh, for reasons that will remain undisclosed, studying up on the uh, um, Werewolf discography, um, and I uh, was listening to the True Werewolf uh, comp Total Death, mm-hmm. and um, or sorry, Death Music, um. Uh, and it was, uh, um, and it really sounds kind of like if you just took the sound on the Emperor EP and like kept it, but made it even more brutal and simple. Good. (laughs) Yeah. It's really cool. Like it's heavy, simple, heavy bass driven riffs. Um, and like blast beats almost the entire time and keys that kind of do the emperor thing, but in a very less frilly way. Um, uh, so, so I was thinking about that and then I actually, that led me back to Mortis. And so I listened to, I hadn't been too impressed by the synth shit I'd heard from him before, but I listened to Fodila Herska again and wow, that's good. I don't think I've ever actually listened to like a full Mortis solo record. I, I I'm gonna to... now have to try two and three again, but from what I remember, Andonsam Gjord Uproar is more a little more austere, and I like it less. Mm, yeah, because I listened to um, I had one of the CDs by one of his side projects, mm-hmm. the uh, the like the dark ambient one. I forget the project's mm-hmm. name, but the album was called Self Mord. Um, uh-huh. That's like his his more like gloomy, depressive sort of thing mm-hmm. and that was pretty good um but i don't think i've ever listened to like crypt of the wizard or anything yeah so it's like the interesting thing is that it helps you understand emperor better it's like or it helps you understand a number of things so um what you realize when you listen to that is that oh the classical influence in emperor wasn't just like ison mm-hmm. right um, I mean, I'm sure, I think the, they met in part because they were, like, super prodigy. You know, him and Samoth met because they were, like, prodigy team musicians or whatever, and they did play classical stuff. But, you know, Ison's the guy with the cla- the ambitions of making, like, metal classical music, right? Yeah. Well, it turns out, it really, Mortis was, too. If um, I, I thought they were these kind of, like, understated, atmospheric, kind of, like, fantasy game 
music, and they kind of are, but, like, Flotilla Herska has, like, movements. Um, hmm. The entire first track has, like, um, the, it's structured like a symphony. I mean, or maybe not exactly like a symphony, but by someone who listens to symphonies. It's got, like, a theme that sort of starts to, like, um, starts to starts to build up and then subside away, build up and subside away in this kind of wagner way, and then it finally just comes out. And he does all sorts of shit with it. He brings in kind of uh, unexpected melodies in the middle of it, and he sustains this over a fucking half hour. And... <laughs> The second track, um, and there are melodies in it on the keys, like, and at some point he hits this big, like, one minor six type epic thing that's not so neoclassical sounding, right? It's like, he's doing it on keys, but it's like, okay, that's a Satanic Warmaster riff. Huh. Like, you know, there's stuff, there's gestures there at sort of, like, triumphant medieval sounding stuff that gets translated into guitar by other people, I think. Um, but the second track, it's not as, it, it doesn't have quite this, like, grand, inherently memorable theme, but all the same sort of developmental stuff and interesting composition is happening on the second track. So he really had an ear for that. Um, cool. yeah. And so this, like, I mean, honestly, like, that is a neoclassical album, um, in like a non-trivial sense. And so this leads me to a second thing, which is, well, why did Mortis get kicked out of the band? They said he had a bad attitude. What does that mean? I think it means, well, maybe he didn't like, you know, the direction Isan was pushing it is one way of thinking of it. But it seems like he actually had kind of similar goals, right? Black metal classical music. I think they kicked him out because he was lazy. You think so? Hmm. Well, think about this. The further away he gets from Emperor, the worse the music gets. <laughs> right yeah. like it, like the synth stuff starts dropping off like Fod de la Herska is like incredibly high incredibly high effort mm -hmm. like I, he probably drew it out on paper you know I don't know if he wrote sheet music but like he probably had a map of it somewhere mm -hmm. um, or it just he just recorded it over and like he probably spent a really long time on it um, and the, uh, the stuff after that gets progressively like more and more like synth pop and then industrial. And event eventually he realizes, oh, you can go to goth clubs and like pick up chicks. Wow. This is cool. I'm going to make a band about this. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, like it, it, and it's not until people discover his old discography and that starts to become even bigger, much bigger than his industrial stuff that he goes back and makes spirit of rebellion. No, Which I haven't heard, but people say is quite good and sounds yeah. like the old shit. Well, I'll have to, and so I'll this have to is, go back and check it out. So this is a full circle thing to um, semi-Ison apologism, which is just that, like, Mortis needed Ison. He needed Ison to push him. But Ison needed Mortis to help him not be a fucking, uh, you know, n not be an art ponce. <laughs> if, if only they'd stayed together you know Ison's dick too could be a skull <laughs> so uh, wait does no, Mort is Mortis's dick a skull uh, according to the cover of the Stargate yes oh you know um, that's the one where that's the classic one where he's oh, flying 
and his yeah, dixixical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. Well, that that's sort of traditional, um, traditional Dan Ziggy and ceremonial garb. <laughs> God. All right. So that's a an interesting detour into uh, metal alternate history. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, people who know more about Emperor drama, feel free to um, uh correct me or add your own versions in the comments yeah or uh feel free to confront us aggressively on social media oh you like yeah that was a good one wasn't it uh, <laughs> the death metal guy on facebook at terminus podcast and uh the black metal guy on instagram at terminus extreme metal um and then uh if, if you're so angry you need to have a live back and forth over our, our theories about emperor and mortis uh you can subscribe to us on patreon or subscribe star three dollars and up gets you access to the terminus prime bonus episodes five dollars and up gets you access to the terminus black circle our discord server where we argue about things like this precisely and uh, $10 and up gets you access to voting rights to determine what the next Terminus Prime will be about. Um, so now that the housekeeping's out of the way, uh, now that, now that uh, the skull dick is uh, firmly lodged in our minds, um, we actually have sort of coincidentally a, uh, a thematic episode for the first time in a, a long while. I think we had a... I think sometime last year we had like an all Finnish episode, and mm -hmm. this time we actually have an all Portuguese episode, which is kind of the stars all just kind of aligned with a, a battery of new releases coming out. Yeah, and uh, you are you're taking point on this one because we got a mini review for uh, a band that I I think is kind of like near and dear to your heart, or at least well, some of your associates. No, near near and dear to people I respect it. I respect or mm -hmm. you know um. Uh, so, uh, Mons Veneris, Torches of Entrancement is the new EP. It's probably a seven inch. It's a short one. It's just two tracks. It's out now on Signal Rex, one of, you know, the in-house, well, one of the two major labels for the Portuguese scene. The other one being Altare. Uh -huh. Um, is Altare Portuguese or Basque? Let me, I think it's Portuguese. I think um, Altare is Portuguese. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's Portuguese. Um, but they put out some of the Basque bands. Yeah. Anyway, um, yes, yes, the mountainous hatred of Spaniards. Um, but the, um, they, uh, so Mons Veneris is one of the core bands of the Portuguese underground that's existed since the early 2000s. Um, and uh, they were spoken of, um, well, before before I get to this, I'll just say they were part. So they were part of this circle that was called uh, just Black uh, Circle, the here. Black Circle, <laughs> um, uh, along with Ire, right? Um, who we we've covered on this show, mm -hmm. uh, and you know the guy from Ire also played and plays in Morte Incandescente, who we covered, right? That's Fulcherius. Mm -hmm. um, I believe at some point they shared members, but I don't know because. Um, uh, all the info for some of this stuff is gone from Metal Archives. And with a notice that the Black Circle disbanded this year. That's very odd. So, and yet, there's a ton of stuff coming out of Portugal. So, and, like, specifically the people related to this scene. So, something is fishy. Yeah, something something odd must be going on 
Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to we'll have to reach out to our intelligence contacts. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the 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 oversized, wickedly curved knives are out in Portugal. <laughs> um, yeah, something's going on. We'll 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 figure it out. Um, but um, so onto the music. Um, so the reason this pro- these guys are on my radar, um, and that whole Portuguese scene is is mostly just because back in the day, you know, uh, um. You know, Lamb from Sanguine Eagle and uh, Hand of Glory to, uh, taught, spoke, and some of his friends from the House of First Light spoke very highly of this. Um, uh, and this whole this whole scene, but I think especially Mons Veneris. Um, and it it wasn't really my thing when I checked it out, but uh, but it's something that was I think influential to them. Um, uh, we generally associate Hand of Glory right with the French vampiric bands like Mutilation. Right, uh, but there's some specific features about it that set it apart. Uh, for instance, Hand of Glory is uh, spectrally disorienting, um, and now that I hear the Mons Veneras, I get a sense of where that was coming from. So here, let's listen to um, about a minute and a half into "To Poison the Feeble Nest of Light." Uh, and yeah, let's just go in there.
fucking and bang your head, man. <laughs> Whenever I listen to stuff like this, I, mm-hmm. I, I always kind of wonder, like, how you get guitars to sound that, like, fucked up and retarded. It, it, like, like there is there is kind of a skill to doing that. Like, I don't know how you go about making stuff that sounds like this, you know? It's not a matter of just, like, having shitty production. It's, like, very, it's very precisely arranged. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. Yes, this is a far cry from Varg just plugging into the PV amp and playing, right? This is, um... Uh, yeah, because it's simultaneously thin and blown out and distant. Yeah, it's like, how how is the guitar, like, going in and out of phase with itself, you know? Like, how? Yeah, I mean, I think there are two guitars there, maybe. Well, it, well I'm also curious about just, like, the methodology. It's like, do you There's think- some cool harmony there. They're like, there, there was a kind of big riff during the blasty part, you know? And then those two, that kind of alternation kind of sustains, but under it you get a... So do you think this is, like, um, you think this is mostly improvised? It very well could be. There are only two guys on the cover, so if there are multiple guitar tracks, I don't know how they got it, but the core of it definitely has to be improvised, and you'll hear that more on the next sample. Or, if not improvised, at least very, very composed on the spot. Well, I think it's I think it's probably a case where it's like they've got a a general idea of the number mm-hmm. of repetitions mm-hmm. for certain ideas, mm-hmm. and but then they just like go off and they'll just fuck around oh, within those constraints. Ab- absolutely, and it really goes. They're going in that direction here because you know you get their sort of sick parody of a big six eight headbanging moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're. Uh, um, they just keep that beat, I think, for most of the rest of the track, and it just gets more and more sort of decrepit and fucked. <laughs> and you can tell that the guitarist has a lot, but without like losing the momentum, crucially. Um, but you can tell that the guitarist really has uh, a lot of freedom. Um, and there's a lot of cool improvisational noise stuff being done on guitar, which I, I like a lot. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The um, you definitely get that quality of that. Uh, the, the beginning of that definitely does reflect the the like gorked heavy metalisms of like that Morte record from last year, and then it just like dissolves even further. From that. Yeah, yeah, that's that, the beginning. It's definitely the first thing is definitely a Morte riff, jump, 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 and you you said it, it's like those Secret Agent Man riffs, right? And it's yeah, it's yeah. also kind of like those sort of killing jokey chug riffs, but it's kind of like a combination of those together, right? It's, yeah. it's like it's um, it's cool. I actually I, I like that more than I anticipated. I think this this is a, a fun band because it looks like they've just done like a million little demos and stuff. So this could be this could be a band that I just start diving into like it's a like it's a very long anime or something. It's like all if, right, it, let's just start going through <laughs> these. <you know? laughs> yeah, if I had a different like, if I had parties with the right people. Well, this would be good party music. Like, I don't think I would put it on normally to listen. Like, ca- like it, it, it wouldn't exactly be, let's put on some black metal and get pumped kind of vibe. But it's so engaging and live sounding that it's... Um, it, it would be fun to listen to with other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're just kind it's, of cackling. Exactly. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Um, 
it's uh speaking the other point yeah like that that riff at the beginning the sort of scronky scronky killing joke secret agent man riff um it has that kind of you know uh tom right is that kind of heavy uh goth or death rock beat and that stuff that's at the very genesis of the house of first light sound if you go back to the first vord demo um uh, it sounds, it has that kind of, like, gothy thing. Um, and it also has this kind of production. Maybe a sort of louder and more varied. But um, it has this kind of production so hideous it's deliberate in some way. Um, or guitar tones so hideous it's deliberate. And it has this sort of disorienting, phasing, things coming from all sides of the room kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, obviously those guys were listening to, uh, also just listening to a bunch of, like, Joy Division and Killing Joke and, like, actual goth rock. But uh, I'm guessing Mons Veneris was important to them even back then. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, on a, um, so we got all the serious musical points out of the way. Now we're just going to listen. Speaking of party music, uh, <laughs> going to the second track, and, you know... The cool thing about being an established band with an underground reputation is that you can just bring all your friends over to the rehearsal bunker, get shit canned, and make cool ghost sounds. I could do this. It's that's what I need to do. I need to get a garage and a four track and just cut a bunch of demos like this, you know? I just mean, for fun. You know? I mean, yeah, do yeah, do that with the bud you've been working on your sort of solo stuff with right now. It's like I mean, this sounds so fun. And more than that, you know, you initially think this is a sort of throwaway nothing track, maybe, at the beginning of it. And then they just, I mean, when we start, we're like well in, when I start, we're well into the track. They Mm -hmm. keep, this is actually longer than the first song. And as you just heard, um, clearly this happened as improvisation, but I think there was some conversation before about what they would do 
or an initial version of this because like there's like the heart with those wailing vocals those are like there's an actual that's not just random sound there's it, it's not like I don't think it's easy to make a falsetto that sounds that broad mm-hmm. right it's not like it's not just like going Dee! right um and it's uh they're harmonizing i'm gonna be i'm gonna sample you making that sound and just drop it at random points in so it's funny <laughs> you should it's a sound effect they're uh <laughs> <laughs> they're air horn <laughs> um they're um they're harmonizing um in a way that's like not if you're not I, you have to that's like if you're not a trained singer and you're trying to just harmonize with someone it's really hard because you instinctively sing the same note um maybe he went back and overlaid his voice uh, over it twice but it sounds like it very the, the harmony really sounds like it's part of the moment um and they've got another guy in the background making a different kind of decrepit sound um like sort of a kind of rhythmic like rah, 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 rah. and they overlap and the stuff on the cymbal it's not just random drum it's not the abruptum random tom hit it's like this is sort of like sustained kind of pressure on the cymbals it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a, a whisper blast you know it's actually like I, you know it's it's yes it's hilarious but it's also like pretty substantial yeah well it's it's clear i mean this definitely sounds different but it's clear that abruptum is like a huge influence here as Mm -hmm. well as um like uh, a lot of like the spooky lln like noise ambient stuff they Mm -hmm. did clearly these guys are these guys are like exclusively listening to like dusty cassette tapes from the mid 90s you know which is that's Mm -hmm. that's a pretty cool aesthetic Hi, this is Taylor from Crushing the Scepter, and you're listening to Terminus Podcast. All right, we are back, uh, continuing our tour around Portugal uh, with the new record by a, an old, old favorite of mine, uh, Corpus Christi's The Bitter End of Old, out on Immortal Frost Productions, who I wasn't, uh, I wasn't familiar with before this. I guess they're a Belgian label. Um, they've actually got a pretty big uh, set of releases they've done. I guess I just never really heard of it before. Uh, just a lot of bands that I haven't heard of, but you know, pretty pretty good set of CDs and vinyl releases. So anyway, uh, Corpus Christi. Uh, Corpus Christi is a band I've been a fan of for a really long time, like ever since I was a kid. Uh, I don't know if I told this story on... Uh, on the show before I might have mentioned in passing, but uh, back when I was in high school uh, in the like mid 2000s, uh, there was a guy who worked at uh, the Frontline, which is a uh, venue in Belgium, and he would do uh, soundboard recordings of all sorts of bands that would pass through. Um, usually, you know, decent size, but still very underground bands. And uh, back then I would, um, you know, I would listen to all those and just find out about all these new bands and shit. And one of those mm-hmm. was Corpus Christi. So my first exposure to them was like a really raw, nasty live recording of them at the front line uh, from cool. the early 2000s. So, And that's probably, that means it was probably one of the 
first like super underground black metal bands I really listened to as a kid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I've uh, followed with them ever since. So uh, those who aren't familiar, uh, Corpus Christi's been around a long time. Uh, first release, uh, first demo was in '98. Um, features uh, Nocturnus Horrendous, uh, who is also in uh, Morte and Candescente, as well as a bunch of other projects. Uh, I know uh, Volturius from iRay was doing live stuff for them at one point. Uh, right now, it's just two main guys. It's Nocturnus Horrendous and a guy called Jay Goat. Um, and it, it, like all of these Portuguese bands, they're all kind of filtering in and out of each other's bands. Everybody's playing live for everybody else, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so the, the lineup isn't exactly consistent, but it seems to be, as far as the records go, it seems to be just these two guys right now. Um, I It's been five years since the last Corpus Christi full-length Delusion, which I don't believe I heard, but the one before that, Pale Moon, uh, I really like a lot. It's... Um, very direct, very down the line, straight up black metal for people who are like well versed in the style. Um, and that's kind of a similar case uh, with the new record, The Bitter End of Old. Uh, this is a really good black metal album, like by and for serious black metal listeners. Um, this is not the sort of thing that is going to get you clout on Instagram. Uh, it doesn't feature. A whole, at least in my opinion, it doesn't feature a whole ton of like just like riffs that jump out at you, but it's structurally elegant, it's really smart, and uh, it's just a really sophisticated, well rounded, very full spectrum kind of black metal record. Um, and I think, uh, black metal guy for you, I don't think you've ever listened to a full album by these guys, right? What did you, what did you think of this? No, my, my main experience of you know, these guys have been has been just the related projects on the show. Um, uh, and um, it's uh, r- related projects on the show. And like it, the um, yeah, so Morte and Candescente and Ira mainly. Um, and so I can immediately hear the similarities to Morte in certain ways, which I'll get into more. Um, this almost seems like this record seems like a more. Uh, a more modernized, wide-ranging, um, kind of a high-production-value take, a sort of expanded and refined version of some basic techniques that are in the Morte, um, which may not simply be restricted to Morte. They're kind of versions of... There's a bit of it in the... Uh, in, you know, uh, in the Mons Veneris we just heard. But... Um, uh, it so but really my overall read on this is um uh my, my overall read on this is that this is kind of like the record that 2012 needed <laughs> I, like, is, I like that description during the dark days yeah 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 like um it's it's kind of um it in some ways it could have been made then mm-hmm. but it but maybe in other ways, in in other ways, not it. What this is, it's the, it's, it sounds the overall effect is a lot like Orthodox BM. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's influence, there's distinct Portuguese touches on it, but there's a lot of French influence. There's this kind of mayhemic vibe, but overall, right? It's this sort of smart, epic, brutal, down the line ripper that Orthodox BM never succeeded in producing. 
<laughs> yeah, like that's, that's true. Yeah, it's like it, it's so much more straightforward than any of that. It's it's straightforward, but it uses a lot of techniques that were important then. The ways of shaping melodies and riffs are similar. The production values are similar, although a little crisper, which I like. Um, and uh, you know, like I can think like. Arrow and Heart by Aesoth is, you know, a better record, but that's that's a kind of idiosyncratic masterpiece. Yeah, that's right? that's a that's a, a, a once in a lifetime for a band kind of thing to put. Once in a like lifetime that. for a band, and it's not really. We could say Ortho. You know, it's not like Ortho wasn't fruitful, but it produces records like that. Whereas the bands that are supposed to be but it fails to produce just like ripping straight up BM, right? I think Anteus was the big candidate for that, but like that stuff is pretty hit or miss. Um, yeah. This is, um, and and was operating within a much more deliberately restricted sphere than this, right? Anteus was basically Marduk plus, mm-hmm. right? Whereas this is a very full spectrum, as you say. Um, a couple other things. Um, it, yeah, really resistant of certain songwriting te- uh, tendencies in modern BM. Um, Very. We'll, we'll definitely be getting But also of certain songwriting tendencies in old BM. You could almost imagine that they wrote this while listening only to death metal. Um, yeah. There's sharp discontinuity in the songwriting. There's uh, a lot of focus on on leads and on brute heaviness. Um, and... As they shift riff styles, they're often dramatic shifts in timbre. Um, it's not skits. It's not like it's not. It doesn't sort of. Uh, it's not like death metal. Um, one thing after another, but there's a lot of death metal type songwriting here. Um, other important thing structurally, this is a very short record, um, and it's one that I started out being quite unsure about. It does a weird thing. It's got the Bathory two intro thing, I think. Um, the second track, the predominance, um, I, at first I was like, it, it's almost like an overture. Um, mm-hmm. So like what, ha- it's a really weird track. It's the length of a full track on here. It's about, you know, like a lot of short tracks on here. It's like four minutes, but um, you get sort of, um starts off with like a bad French riff. Just like a really sort of um, really cliche French BM riff that you could have heard, twelve, you know, in 2012, too. Um, it rolls along, and then we get a kind of cool breakdowny thing, and we're back to the bad French riff. And then we get interrupting Dark Throne riff, and suddenly it's really exciting. Um, and then just when you think it's building to something, just silence. And then just a big dramatic ambient spoken word thing. And then they just zero on this zero in on this really uh, nasty orthodox riff that sounds like it's at the beginning of a song, not the end. Just yeah. tons of tension, kind of descending, self-deconstructing melody. Uh, it, it, it's like the kind of thing that you would... Um, it, it's not a climactic riff. It's a sort of um, attack riff. And they end the song on that. And which would be so we- it just ends, which would be so weird, except they're thinking with the whole album in mind. Mm-hmm. So when I got through that track, you know, I was at first sort of dis- I was like, whoa, this really isn't good. And then I was like, hmm, uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Uh, interesting. Mm, whoa. Okay. Maybe there's something going on here. But then the track just ends and I'm like, what the fuck? Um, then we get into the third track and I'm like, oh, 
So it's like the first track kind of is a, you know, like an overture or something in classical music, right? Or might have, or like say the first movement of a symphony might showcase themes that show up again throughout. Yes. Or the beginning, yes. and, and if you're really big on this kind of like, uh, germinal structure in a symphony. The first, the beginning of the the beginning of the first movement will showcase parts that show up again throughout the first movement. Things like that. This doesn't exactly do that. They're not giving you like themes that come back, but it showcases how they're writing songs here. It's so showing, a certain ex it's showing uh, all the the constituent parts of the record. Yes, right, yeah, it yeah. shows maybe except for one. Um, but yes, it's showing all the the constituent parts. And it's showing, like, this is how we write songs. Any expectation you get is going to be reversed. Uh, you know, you're, you're, the places you focus on, the, the focus is going to be shifted. Uh, you're going to be asked to focus on things you wouldn't necessarily normally. And there's gonna, we're going to surprise you. And yeah. you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, right? I think that's that's one of the most crucial <clears throat> aspects about this record, which is one of the things that makes it so... Um, because in a sense, this is a very straightforward album, and in a sense, it's mm -hmm. not. Just because it, it thrives off of subverting the listener's expectations. So on one hand, it's like you you need to know a lot about black metal to yes. understand w what makes these features surprising. Um, and you also like you, and you also have to be primed to be surprised by those things. You know, this is this is a record that relies on intimate familiarity with black metal idioms in order to break those rules. Yeah, it's a late black metal record. It could not have been written in 1992, but it mm -hmm. could have been written in 2012 because it just depends on knowing about everything up till then. Um, so now let's go. So we've got the sense of their comp their sensibilities. And now we'll go into Unearthly Forgotten Memory. Um, and uh, and this is where the gonna, album begins. Yeah, yeah, kind, yeah exactly. It's, um, and I'm just going to drop us in on the one kind of thing they didn't showcase yet on that sort of first primer track is the big riff. So uh, here's, here's a big riff. Yeah. 
man, there is there is no reason that like ascending chromatic thrash riff at the end should work so well, but it's just fucking it's a ripper when it pops in. Yeah, yeah, and if they can make the death metal guy like a thrash riff, they've really accomplished it. <laughs> um, exactly. But but I mean that's like listening back to that like close listening to each riff. It's like there is like a weird surprise tucked into every one of those riffs. Yeah, so let's talk about the 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 big. So first with the big riff, um, wh- what would you describe as the weird surprise there? Well, for the big riff, are you you're talking about the the blast riff? After yeah, you that? know the more the more consonant melodic trem riff that you hear close to the beginning of the sample. Oh, you, uh, you get a bit a bit after, of a thrash. Yeah, after the palm muted one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, well, it's just it's it. It's like lightning. Like the the mm-hmm. the intervals are they're floating around i mean you've heard similar stuff in black metal but they're these wildly swinging intervals there's like odd string skipping going on and shit it's just it's it's a it's a black metal riff but it's it's so sleek and so mm-hmm. kind of chromed off and hyper modern in a way but still very fitting in with the sort of uh, mayhemic thing that they've always been very good with I like you. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I mean, that's how I describe um, certain Spite Extreme Wing riffs. Yeah. Like on Cosmocrator. Um, yeah, like Lightning. It definitely has it. All the big riffs have that. They're simple, very clear forms. And this one in particular is, well, they're not all Lightning-like, though, but they all have that kind of uh, clarity and direction. Th- this one, they all have that sense of line in them. But this in particular is really, is this, yeah, like leaping leaping fast moving up and down moving lines very lightning right? yeah there's, um, it's, it's just incredible aggression and, and intensity yeah, this the harmony on it is just i mean sear, burning right yeah it's, it's, the whole and, thing is white hot i love it and it's it's kind of a dso thing um in the harmony but kind of not i think a lot of the stuff on this record that's really distinctive about it is it's not like they have there's nothing on here that you could call it, say this is a Corpus Christi riff but there's so many ways of playing riffs that could only be by these guitarists yeah they they're, they're I, I think they're, it's possible that they're both writing for guitar here uh I, yeah I at least judging by art metal archives um and yeah that is that is a player's personal inflection there yeah, they have a an, a fascinating way of kind of modifying stock reforms mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and filtering them through their own personalities. And uh, that extends to the structure as well. I love that that weird fucking head fake moment with the little, mm-hmm. like, two, like, clean bar chord, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, orthodox thing mm-hmm. right before it jumps back into that cruising thrash riff. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's preparing for a whole back half of a song that never happens. You know, <laughs> like this I mean, constantly redirecting you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even just the big riff never comes back. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, you could, right? And so it immediately goes to um, just interrupting Darkthrone riff. And those are, and what those are, that's black metal embracing the half blast, right? Oh, yeah. It's kind of dung, 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 dung. And playing it, I mean, that's almost structured like a Christian riff. That mm-hmm. kind of like like a simplified black metal version of it, but um, uh, I really love that that just sort of heavy downbeat um, percussive uh, blast riffing, um, and 
it sounds what it really sounds like is skull crushing black metal by, yes, yes. by Morte, right? And the moments that you said were inspired by that on the record we reviewed last year. And so I guess if there's something that's like a Morte or Corpus Christi riff, it's probably that. And, yeah. you know, there are things like it on Anteus records and whatever, but this is really a thing that these guys do and do really well. And it's the also, thing about. It's also kind of the closest thing to, like, if we're going to say there's a Portuguese kind of sound, it's probably mm -hmm. that specifically. Because Corpus Christi is an interesting band because of of the Portuguese scene. They've never sounded especially Portuguese for the most part. They've always been a lot more mm -hmm. rooted in kind of like traditional, you know, second wave Scandinavian stuff. Here you're starting to hear some of those distinctions of it being Portuguese creep out more. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds both more French and more barbaric. And that seems true of a lot of the Portuguese stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, so that kind of just crushing riff, um, that hits as a hook, right? That's like when it's not like, oh shit, they stopped the epic riff. It's they just play the epic riff like A, B, A, B. And then just dun 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 dun, and just like on the Morte record, that is a payoff moment, right? Yeah. That is a central dramatic moment, um, and it's a thing. And so this record is that technique, like you know what I said, like oh, Morte makes the triumphant moment. Morte has these kind of Transylvanian, simple Transylvanian, Transylvanian hunger style epic melodies, but it makes the triumphant moment, the skull crushing moment. And yeah. this record is that technique writ large and used in a tons of different ways. That's that's exactly yeah. right. That's one of the most interesting things about this record in particular, mm -hmm. and it's like it's it's heightened here compared to older Corpus Christi, is the the idea that these guys consciously prioritize types of black metal riffs radically differently from like most of black metal today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, you could call the technique uh, Portuguese riff switching, but uh, not to be mistaken with uh, Brazilian wife swapping, um, which so is, I think, uh, an, an old, uh, that's an old VHS tape. <laughs> I found that in my dad's sock drawer. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, let me get to the track after yours, uh, Fragmented Chaos Disharmony. Mm -hmm. Um, so th this is going to relate to a lot of the things we've been talking about, the, about these kind of like whiplash-inducing changes. And another thing that I like is um, Corpus Christi has traditionally been not like aping the old school, but there's a, a direct line from just traditional second wave black metal to what these guys do. Um, they've never been imitative of old school black metal, but it's always just been a logical continuation of all those things. Mm -hmm. Something that happens on this record is a really cool kind of contrasting technique where you'll have very old school, very traditional stuff butting up against very modern, very unusual shit. So let's listen to a couple minutes of Fragmented Chaos Disharmony. This is a pretty short track. Um, it's super punchy though. So you're going to have like a couple just very very traditional, very coloring within the lines, sort of Norsk Spart metal riffs. They're very good, but they're definitely designed to be extremely conventional. And then something happens that I've never heard Corpus do. I know that 
man, the moment when I first listened to this album, the moment that happened, I was just like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Just the whiplash into this, like, very... I, like that's not directly comparable to anything. There, it's a, it's a, it's a hardcore breakdown built out of orthodox parts. Yeah, and not in the way that the French bands do. Yeah, it. it's yeah, like it, way closer to an actual hardcore breakdown. Yeah, it's like because obviously you know we've talked about the orthodox, uh, the French orthodox guys listening to like scronky hardcore and incorporating mm-hmm. a bunch of that, but that's not what's happening here. They're using straight orthodox parts to make like a crushing pit riff. And it's more like, yeah, it's both more like, yeah, um, it's both more like black metal riffing and more like, uh, y- you know, it's like the rhythmic inflections in it, it's sort of, sp- it has that sort of springy, um, uh, sp- springy viciousness that you get in like, I don't know, like '90s holy terror bands, mm, or yeah, yeah. or like a band like 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 Ascension or like New Lows, or or like that. They're two thousands imitating that style, but um, it's not like they're like power chord. It's it's like one of those like you know six note power chord breakdowns as opposed to like a beatdown. Well, yeah. Um, what's what's also interesting is that like it so it takes the shape of a hardcore breakdown, but there's no like big crushing chord. I mean, it's really close to a Jane Doe breakdown. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be fair. Yeah, but like there's not, but there aren't any of the screamo chords. Well, yeah, and I I, well, I think it's really interesting how it's like there's nothing there's none of the parts you associate with a hardcore breakdown there's no like yeah. big chords i mean these are they, that's mm-hmm. just like a single a winding yeah. single note phrase mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the negative space around it is what makes it heavy mm-hmm. it's it's fascinating um darrow, 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 darrow. well and what makes it heavy is the just the rhythm of it it just whip it's got that's got that whiplash thing mm-hmm. You don't need a big thick tone to play a breakdown. You can just play a single thin note and do that. Yeah, or a single thin string, right? And Um, then, um, and then, so apart from that breakdown, one, any other band would have ended on that, or they would have like faded out on that. No, you've got like a couple riffs after that, very short, very punchy, wrapping it up, and then the stuff before it, the more traditional kind of like Norse style riffs. Uh, listening back, there's crazy shit going on in the bass. You know, underneath mm-hmm. these relatively simple kind of unadorned riffs, there's basically Norsecore riffs. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. there's this really fluid, kind of beautiful. Um, you know, the, the bass is really the lead instrument uh, underneath mm-hmm. those riffs. There's just like every single aspect that you're about to dismiss as kind of like stock or conventional always has some sort of twist put on to it. I mean, I mean, we got to, yeah, and about the follow-up to the breakdown. I mean, another way you would follow up the breakdown is, like, by literally treating it as a breakdown in a conventional sense, and maybe you'd go back to a verse riff or something. But, mm-hmm. oh, you know, the other thing it's like is an emperor breakdown. And I actually was listening to some of that Belgian uh, 8000 stuff the other day, and there's, they do breakdowns modeled on emperor. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that stuff is so weird. <laughs> um, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, listening to Congress. Um, but um, anyway, so that is a very yeah. It's an emperor breakdown that is delivered in this kind of highly modern, um, just um, 
abrasive way. It's really cool. But right after that, right, instead of going back to a verse riff or going to some ambient bullshit, they just steamroller 6-8 Norwegian riff. <laughs> um, and, like, it's, it's like it's just doing that at all. It's like the hardcore technique of breakdown chaining, right? Mm-hmm. But a black metal band would never think to do that, frankly. Um, but they just they, they just did it, um, and it's um, and it's a really well written riff. And you could imagine a ver- there may have been a version of this song that just had the blast riffs and then went directly to that mm-hmm. that sort of the the six eight thing, and then they just added the breakdown in between, and suddenly like it, it. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is um, this this whole record is interesting because it's like, because you know uh, we've talked a lot on the show about how you know really liking uh, a lot of black metal nowadays that's sort of reaching back toward um, a, a more full band energy, a more kind of live style, you know, little bits of improv here and there, uh, stuff that's like more clearly kind of jammed out and organic. And that is great. However, this record is so clearly like written top down. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, you can imagine that it's like there's there's a, there's a way this album could have been written on paper before they even touch their instruments at any point to like play yeah. the songs together. And this is an example of why that can like actually be a good thing. Sometimes oh. you just have to have immense amounts of experience behind you. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's it's sort of them doing, like, a lot of the methods of surprise that, that are on this and the kind of energy in the plane are probably learned and developed with that kind of more ragged shoot-from-the-hip plane you get in Morte. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, this has learned from all of that. And, you know, that kind of improv gives you a kind of improv and spontaneity and whatever gives you a kind of freedom this is very composed music but it's written with a ton of freedom yes yes exactly and we, mm-hmm. well actually speaking of morte it, it is just kind of funny like listening to uh nocturnus play you know it's it, it's not very clear who's playing what across mm-hmm. this record mm-hmm. but um it, listening to nocturnus doing this almost like deliberately fumbling stuff with morte and then hearing him just like whip out these these crazy fucking surprisingly dexterous riffs on this and you're like oh, yeah 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 morte they're deliberately drunk and playing down <laughs> i was going to say imagine how drunk they were <laughs> it's like we knew they were drunk but like <laughs> They had to be so drunk. <laughs> they had to be. They had to be properly Capricornist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, so uh, speaking of uh, speaking of Nocturnus, my next sample is off of the track "To the End to the Void." Um, so, uh, Nocturnus. Uh, one thing that is clear is that he's the vocalist on this record, and I gotta say, his vocal performance is pretty exceptional. Yeah. He's really good, and something on this record that we're, it feels like it's coming out more and more lately is reaching back to like the Attila Sihar kind of theatrical style. Mm-hmm. Um, I Something's in the water. I don't know if we're just picking up on the right albums now, but it feels like that's coming back in a big yeah. way. You've always looked for stuff like that, but there, I think there's definitely more of it. Yeah, it feels like it's coming back around. And so Nocturnus's performance on this is clearly 
very inspired by that. Um, so this section off to the end of the voice, probably one of my favorite vocal parts on the record, really shows off the whole range of what he can do. Um, but then the riffing also we should pay close attention to because I think some of the riffs in this section are a really good roadmap to the guitar approach of the album as a whole. Mm-hmm. The So yeah, obviously, uh, Nocturnus Horrendous' vocals in that part are fucking outstanding. Like, it's hard to articulate to people just how difficult it is to weave in the, those like genuinely melodic tonal characteristics while still having that much heat on your vocal performance. That's it's super fucking hard to do. Um, and it, it's beautiful and it's evocative. It's extremely theatrical. I mean, this is kind of, I would say, like the climax moment of the record. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe on From Here to Nothing. Mm, yeah. Because yeah, th- there's there's another vocal moment I've got to call attention to where he just like straight up sings, but it comes directly out of the rest of the voice it's not like a different voice he's putting on and he just hits some heavy like like basically like he sings like if Corthon could sing yeah um, yeah yeah and it's it's really really cool it, it's like the 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 it's sort of like the the highest level of singing you want in black metal it's like technically that's the, the yes that you want yeah. Yet, you know yeah 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 anything past that is this power metal um <laughs> but um it's it's really cool. So, I mean, I would almost say, like, this record is, 
Well, let's let's I'll come back to the climax of the album question. Let's yeah. let's keep talking about about what's distinctive here. Well, uh, another thing is like just the the riff figures in this are I think kind of paradigmatic for for the whole record. Uh, like mm-hmm. for instance, that that super simple like big riff that uh, you know they drop out, they do the solo guitar back in. It's just this very simple kind of chord progression riff. Um, and it's gesturing towards, you know, a, a huge triumphant, you know, duh, 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 you know, something like that. But instead they, they twist it, they darken it, they make the, the last interval something sort of more furtive and nocturnal. Um, they're always resisting the urge to do the easy big thing. I mean, Wait, and which riff is that? Is that the first or the second one you're talking about? Uh, when they do the dropout and you yeah, 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 the yeah. solo guitar. Yeah, yeah. Because the, um, the first one is a great example of a riff that is like high tension, but very epic. Yeah, um, yeah. That is a great, and it sort of hints at, it, it. it's using techniques of that sort of like chord change with sliding, sliding half step chord changes with sustained kind of um, arpeggios over it that the French bands use to make stuff that sounds melancholy. But it doesn't sound melancholy, it just sounds powerful. The part where he's like going to town on the vocals. And then the dropout, yes, it's like, oh shit, are they about to like... Yeah, I see exactly what you mean. The beginning of the riff sets up an expectation they're about to drop like a DSO riff there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, they um, don't. They just do something. They do something weirder. And say, you know what I? You know I think I've I've kind of channeled it. What I mm-hmm. like about this record is like there's a sense of mystery to it. You know, mm-hmm. at, at this point we become so. Um, so sort of, in a sense, like inoculated by these stock riff forms, mm-hmm. the, the expectations are just so ingrained as people who have listened to listened to thousands of black metal albums. Um, you know, it's, it, it becomes very easy to just know where every song is going to go. But mm-hmm. this actually has that quality of like, when you're younger listening to it, it's like, Oh, these guys have access to some sort of mysterious mystical knowledge and shit. Yeah. And it's like, that comes through here. You know, yeah, I, I, I you, think that's you right. so rarely feel that way about black metal records anymore. You know? It's Ooh, uh, it's yeah, just fucking lovely. awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speaking of it being fucking awesome, um, <laughs> this is this is one of the only moments on the record where they do. So even though that second riff really challenged, really, you know, the second riff, it's like, oh shit, are they going to an even bigger riff? But they actually go to a riff that works a lot like the riff just before it, mm-hmm. um, and except more furtive and not, yeah, more sort of, uh, um, uh more sort of uh, churning and tense. But then they go to the um, the blast riff at the end is, you know, you'd expect based on what sort of, you know, by the... They do have a way of writing songs. It's just not the way you expect. So based on the, the way they have of writing songs, you might expect at this point some sort of like big, uh, you know, skull crush blast or a thrash riff or a breakdown... And instead, they just keep blasting. They just go back to blasting, and it's another one of these kind of um, uh, so- nocturnally soaring riffs. Um, and that almost sounds like a hook riff, even though it would be another band's verse riff. Um, this is the only time on the record where they just like. I would say this is their like orthodox BM song. They like chain together three big trem riffs. Um, yeah, it's like with one of them, with one of them being, oh my god, 
death metal guy, they got away with the forbidden thing, the spoopy, the spoopy orthodox arpeggio. <laughs> they can right? actually that, pull it off, yeah. Yeah, that middle riff is the mid-tempo arpeggio part, and they nail it. Um, yeah, speaking also of, like, climaxes or big riffs, right? Like, we actually haven't sampled the two songs on the record that have the biggest hooks. Mm-hmm. Um, that is From Here to Nothing, which has some big melodic riff and that kind of soaring... Uh, power metal vocal and then for i am all um which has a uh, <laughs> stonker of amygdala riff basically <laughs> yeah um, yeah i know the one you're talking about <laughs> yeah 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 um and you know it, it's um so there you're not when we talk about how exciting this record is you're not even getting the things that are uh the sort of um cathartic moments on it um uh, and and what else? Yeah, so we've talked about it a bit already, right? But the sort of simplicity of the big riffs, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, they are, um, yeah. There, most of them are just a few, a few chords or notes long. Um, they're not these long flowing melodies. They're not, um, they're not fancy dense chords, and they're they're quick. They're not drawn out over many bars, yeah. right? Everything on this record is quick. You're yeah, not going to hear like a, indulgent. There's, yeah, yeah, and there's nothing like there's nothing. There's also no like you, you know I don't know. There's no like jackhammer wall blast or very little of it. You know the most was on your first sample. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not like droning parts, right? Um, it's just um, there are these condensed phrases that sort of produce a climax in the song and then they move on. Um, really disciplined, really sort of seasoned master stuff. It's a confidence thing. Um, uh, it's like they provide the function of triumphant release in these songs without any ornamentation. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's a, um, there's a distillation uh, that false. occurs that's, that's really, really yeah. interesting compared yeah. to, you know, so many bands that are trying to just do bigger and bigger versions of those things. Yeah. And so this is, yes, this is in terms of like the cultural polemic, right, going on here, right? In terms of like the statement this is making, this is very close to a lot of records we've reviewed that are deliberately austere or severe or not hook filled, right? Um, but the record is hook filled. Yeah. That's the thing. This could be a very austere, scowling record, and instead it's like scowling and cackling. <laughs> um, it, it is almost cool wizard music in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very, it's sort of, it's, and it's it's fun. It's also motorcycle. It's also devil's motorcycle music. Right? <laughs> I was um, uh, I was talking to uh, Nocturnus Horrendous. Uh, we've mm-hmm. been in contact since mm-hmm. we covered the Morday record, and uh, he is a he is a big motorcycle fan himself. So <laughs> it makes sense. We, we just know these people, man. It's, um, <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. So on. So in terms of like, yeah, going with that heinous. Last track on the record. Uh, um, already covered a lot of this ground, uh, but um, one thing, right, is just because they emphasize these kinds of change-ups, expectation reversals, discontinuities that are kind of death metally, they still understand that black metal generates power from repetition, right? 
They're just doing it in a really focused way. They give you just enough of the thrash riff to do that. They give you just enough of the, you know, the skull crush blast to do that. Um, but they're never repeating shit just because. And so you get, like, on the kind of tracks we haven't sampled, right, from here to nothing and for Eyeball, you get these long sustained releases where they're like, yeah, here we'll go for it. We'll just repeat the riff, like, fucking 15 times or 16 times. Um, but, um... There's another way of repetition that they often avoid, uh, it, which is sort of cyclical repetition, right? Mm -hmm. These songs are relatively linear compared to a lot of BM songwritings. Uh, but on the last track, Heinous, they do some really well-shaped cyclical repetition. Um, and uh, we come in, we've had an A riff, we've had a B riff with some spooky ghost blasting, then we are back into the A riff and just this is so sick. Um, There's, there's so many cool moments just accumulating over the course of that. Yeah, so the big one to talk about, right, is that... Right, the goblin riff. And yeah. then the... um, And so, I mean, like, that is a kind of riff that they just don't write anymore. Yes, that's, that's, that's very correct. That is nasty. And it's different from the uh, the half blast stuff, but it's a similar thing. Of here's a kind of thing that other bands, when they gesture towards it, use it as filler, mm -hmm. right? This is or as default, right? That is fucking catchy, right? Yeah, that, that is primary. 
You know? It's a massive hook. That's yeah, exactly. It's a massive hook, um, and the and it's also just like kills, right? That's so aggressive. Um, and it sounds you know it sounds like a, or the first and like almost just random association. It's been years since I've heard it, but the energy is almost like that. It's a way of hearing Dark Throne that you get on like that first and all in the Thrak record or whatever. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I um, or it's kind of a Night of the Graveless, or it's kind of a you know not, I am the Black Wizards riff a little bit too. It's just it's it's all these kinds of like really severe trem lines from the early Norse stuff. Um, it's and then just bam, colossal riff, um, monolithic riff, and I use that advisedly because it's that's a great example of the kind of simplicity on these riffs you it's really deliberate and sort of unfolds kind of slowly uh it's that is a great example of a mystery riff like that is the the first part of it is just these like two 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 rep wind up of like stock French stuff, and then it just goes woomph. Um and it has really dense chords, especially on the second part of it. Um, and what that is really is it's a DS. It's like some of a certain kind of DSO riff from their old stuff. Um, like the um, the chorus on Sola Fide One, he does this like pyrotechnic like run to launch. There's a kind of like I don't know, is it a volta or something? He just launches this. There's a two-part melody, and he does this complicated launch, and then when Miko comes in, it's just da 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 da. da. I can't exactly remember it, but it's really simple. I listened to it today to check, but so these guys, and you know that guy's an incredibly sophisticated guitarist. These guys have wrapped their head around um, uh, things that are kind of idiosyncratic to his style of playing. Like that's a um, the way they sustain those notes at the end. It's it's not a complicated hook riff. It's, it's the thing that is the payoff is just three chords and it's monolithic.
Right, we are back, uh, wrapping up our uh, roundup of Portugal in mid-2022 with the new Candelabrum record, Nocturnal Trance, out on, of all things, Hell's Headbangers, very 
very odd. Like, I've seen multiple people say that. It's like, Candelabrum is on fucking HH now? It's very strange. Um, so, Black Metal Guy, should we just start arguing now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's fucking throw down. This is a rare treat. I mean, it's. I mean, it's really only been. Like I'm, a, I'm up. I'm up on. The, I'm up on the ropes, man. It's. Uh, um, it's, it's really only a handful of times on the podcast that our opinions have diverged so intensely. Yeah, um, I, well, I honestly, I expected you to hate this too. <laughs> no, I actually really like this. Um, but right yeah. before we get into that, just a little bit of background info for people who don't know. So Candelabrum is a band that has been around for a little while now, uh, since 2014. Uh, this new one is the third full-length record. And the connection's never been made explicit and personnel's never been revealed, but this is almost certainly the same guy as uh, Black Silas. So, um, yeah, someone in the YouTube comments sort of suggested that, but it would be weird if it wasn't. It would be like... It would actually be weirder if it was another guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, because like that's obviously the main reference point for this. Yeah, so, so the earliest Candelabrum stuff, I think I heard Necrotelepathy when it came out in 2016, and I didn't really like it. Um, it, it was, I mean, back then it was very explicitly, this is the chilled out version of Black Silas. Um, this new record, I don't, I don't think I've listened to portals, so I don't really know the transitional, uh, phase there, but this one really doesn't sound like black Silas anymore. And frankly, I, I'll go out and my hot take is this isn't a black metal record. Um, fundamentally. I'll, I'll agree. Yeah. This isn't black. I mean, black Silas is like kind of arguably not black metal either, but it's like more like black metal candelabra. It's, it's point, more riffy. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, this is, I think, part of a basically a, a scene of blackened atmospheric music that is congealing right now that doesn't have a name. And I think that within a few years, it's going to have a name and it's going to break off from metal entirely. I, I, that's probably the, the hottest take I can give. Yeah, I so like, name some other members of this scene for the people. <laughs> Of, of, like, the style that I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, uh, like, a big one would be the Midnight Betrothed record that we covered last year that you also yes. hated. Yep, hate. Um, that would be that. Uh, probably some of the, like, Grindstone Records guys, you know, like Old Nick and mm -hmm. them. Because um, it's, it's not really black metal. Mm -hmm. um, lots of just sort of, like... There's a lot of guys out there who are just like Kekta Rock is sort of could go either way, right? I, like, I think right. we'll we'll see what happens on the next Kekta Rock. Yeah, the, the guitar playing is so substantially black metal that it doesn't really fall into this category. But the mood he's exploring and those kind of interlude tracks gesture more mm -hmm. in this direction. So the, the way mm -hmm. I see it is a combination of like, like it, it sounds absurd, but aesthetically you get it. It's like. It's like DSBM, it's sad boy hip-hop, it's like witch house, and like sad anime soundtracks. That's, that's, those are the, the, the primary ingredients. <laughs> Do you hear any of the um, witch house or hip-hop here? I feel like I hear the witch house here a lot. Yeah. Mm. I, I definitely, like, you, you can't hear, like, kind of the, the Salem thing on this a little bit. Not really. Salem has like big, heavy. I mean, I don't know that stuff well at all. I mean, I, I listened to White Ring a bit back in the day because I saw them live. Um, it's much simpler than they're sort of a little more like an industrial band. Uh, but um, I, 
I mean, I identify, I would associate Salem with big, rumbling, kind of uh, fat bass lines, fat with a pH. <laughs> yeah, and that's, like and like drums. That's fair, but that's that's like okay. So imagine Witch House as something that was supposed to be built purely for home listening and not for the club. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of see it. This this is rhythmically super different. It's yeah the under. I mean, are there things about the texturing that are very Witch House? I, I think to a degree. I mean, really, I'm talking more in. Doesn't it need a Doesn't it need a chick to qualify as witch house? You have to have a goth chick. Well, you know, I don't know the gender identity of. There the has to be a witch. <laughs> there has to be a witch in the house. <laughs> in the in the hizzy, as we used there, to say. They, there, there's some witches in this house. Um. <laughs> no, it's a, really what I'm talking about is more a matter of like mood and tones and aesthetics. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this this whole melange of sort of like modern, vaguely gothy, spooky, sad stuff. Um, yeah. And I think, so for this Candelabrum record, we'll, we'll definitely talk it through and argue about it, but from, this is really just a taste thing. I have so much more time for this kind of, like, fucking mopey sit-alone-in-your-room shit than you do, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, I, um... I love that. I, I love that kind of thing, and... So, well, I mean, you describe it. I've been, I've been talking, so you can get into your, your take on it. Um, you know, aside from the, what we mentioned before, another reference point for this might be Carved Cross. However, I liked, I didn't love, like, Carved Cross is not my go-to listening, but I thought that was quite good. I got what was distinctive about Carved Cross. And yeah, that's, was, that's probably an influence here. And although Carved Cross kind of isn't black metal, it kind of is. Um, yeah. Uh, the main similarity is that this is really sparse and composed like electronic music. And it is very organic, unlike Witch House, it has very organic textures. Um, mm -hmm. Right? This is just all coming from like echoey, echoey synths and guitars and pedals and stuff. It's not, um, it's not heavily digit, it's not heavily digitized. Um, it's so, and you know, I like that, right? Okay, lots of ringing, open, organic sound, kind of improvisatory stuff happening over time, hypnotic repetition. I, yeah, I dig all that shit. Um, I even kind of dig the mood it's going for, which I can get into more. Um, and I sort of liked it. I was disposed to like it at the beginning of the record, but then I was just like, ugh. Um, <laughs> and... Um, it's one of the only records I feel it felt like like it was like it hurt me to listen to it. Um, <laughs> I, I felt my life, I felt life leeching out of my wounds. Um, it, it like the Midnight Betrothed was like that. Um, the Gautama Buddha, we were we were just both laughing too hard to feel that way. I think um, <laughs> I, I I still resent that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I started to feel I kind of resent this one in the way that you resented the. Um, Fucking uh, like the Nylonification. Oh, oh, okay, I gotcha. Like yeah. it's just like I, I don't think you can criticize something for being low effort, but I I don't. So that's not exactly that's how you felt about that one. That's not exactly where I'd come at it from, but it's something similar to that. It's just like ah, oh, there's just no fucking there there. there there's um, no content. I I think exactly. I would say. Nile Invocation had a concept that I had more time for than you did, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, this is a cool concept, but I would just straight up say it fails in execution. Um, and maybe because of where he where he's placing the emphasis um, in in this formula. So maybe it's a little neither here nor there and needs to go one direction or the other. I see. Um, okay, so yeah, that's that's interesting. There are parts of the record that I like, and I've sampled, I've I got samples that include parts I like. Um, but uh, it's as it stands, I don't think it really works for me. Um, so... Let's go with the first track, Crystalline Telesthesia. Um, this is, uh, first riff is, that's a cool riff. It's kind of like a Black Silas thing, uh, but the mood is a little bit Kekdarak also. You know, it's got that kind of pleasant, solemn reverie, right? Like, there are ghosts, but they want to help you with alchemy. <laughs> You know what's going to make this fucking review great is because the part where it starts to suck for you is the part I, I where it know. starts to rule for me. I know. <laughs> You're like a fucking disappointed stepdad. It's like you realized I don't have the makings of a varsity athlete. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 son, I'm going to have to do something else with that college fund. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like okay, so buy a larger boat. <laughs> All right, so get into uh, what you think sucks here. Oh, man. Or, like the, or the contrast of what is good versus yeah. what sucks. Yeah, so the first riff is like, you know, um, it's really cool. It's kind of high speed. It's kind of crisply delivered compared to the rest of the record. Um, uh, like there's like good tight picking there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, it's got that drone note. And then at the end... He's forming cool chords by, I think, layering leads, Mm -hmm. um, something like that. And, you know, that's obviously where the melodic weight of it is in these uh, strangely diverging lead harmonies that um, sound, you know, they're kind of these, um, uh, 
It's a lot like a kind of harmony you got on the Kector Rock last year. Is all I can say. Yeah, I, sp- like- I, I heard the exact thing you're talking about, like the exact yeah. figure. Um, yeah. It's like a harmonic figure that was all over that Kector Rock record. If, yeah, very open, open co- intervals, white mm-hmm. notes, wh- you know, white white notes on the keyboard, uh, you know, whole step, uh, uh, sort of soaring and harmonizing with each other, and a heavy use of drone. Right, the the thing that makes it better, right, in that case, the thing that really helps, as with the Kector Rock, is there's a lot of reverb, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this band has way more reverb, but this is like, like Black Silas, uh, Black Silas levels of, <laughs> actually, it's pronounced Black Killick, eh? Um, I, was, but, I, was, um, I was literally trying to see if there was an established pronunciation the other day. Mm-hmm. There's, fucking nobody can agree. There's like four different pronunciations. That, that, of the word. That's kind of cool. I think it's, maybe it's written to be impossible to pronounce, you know. Um, uh, but like, the, um, so yeah, it's got that kind of, there's an interesting, there's an interesting harmony there and just a emotionally dense harmony there. Uh, and it has these kind, and it's strengthened by the the fact that the reverb lets these layers sort of multiply, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's you've got, it's really like you're hearing three of one note and three of the other, and they're all interacting in weird ways. All these overtones, um, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, that's cool. You know, it makes you want to go wander around in the twilight. Uh, you know, it's it's almost it's a mood that's. I was thinking at the beginning, like, oh, cool, is this going to be kind of like, you know, that kind of dead can dance mood in black metal or whatever, right? Um, then, is that, is that where, it, as you say, it hits the suck button? <laughs> yes. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And, you know, suddenly there I heard it. I heard the trip hop. Or no, sorry, I said trip hop, not witch house. That's mm-hmm. what, trip hop. It was like, oh, this is like fucking, witch house is just trip hop for, with trap production, right? It's the same idea, but like. <laughs> yeah, for goth girls. This <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Witch house is like, it, it's like the trip hop idea with the Memphis influence and more like industrial. Um, but like. It, it's like the same synthesis, right? We we get a slinky female chanteuse and some uh, urban beats. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, I had this depressing thought the other day when I was listening to bad beat music in the bar. Just like, oh, God, everything is just fucking Portishead. Um, <laughs> and, and now I hear it here. That kind of like just sinks into that like laid back kind of boom, dun, boom, dun, well, you see, boom. Well, it, it, it's it's so like unintentionally revealing, like like some of the stuff that you say, because it's just like, well, I'm like shit, I like Portishead a lot. <laughs> like, you know, like, I think Portishead is fine in itself. It's just like a kind of like, I think Portishead's a little bit goofy and has had a very uh, has had this weirdly outsized influence on culture. I think a lot of things influenced by Portishead. I think a lot of things are anticipated by it without maybe realizing it and are pretty goofy. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah. But, like, I can hear that thing you were pointing out now there. Um, and so you get that kind of descending thing for a minute. And there's nothing inherently wrong with doing that for a sec. Okay, fast, slow down. And then it goes, he just commits to this duh, 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 duh. I mean, just really, really just... Um, 
like fundamental rock and roll chord progression, mm-hmm. like a uh, kind of, but obviously harmonized in this same kind of uh, layered, maybe multiple leads at this point, layered leads, echoes. There's more harmony and rich texture in it, but um, it just clunks along with that dum 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 I think it's yeah. one two he uses a lot of twos like dum 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 something like that I don't know maybe even it's just it, it like um things they're, like they're that just just simple fucking whole step you know yes. intervals and, yeah and the problem is he really commits to that Mm-hmm. Th- that is the r- entire rest of the fucking um, nine minute song. Yeah, is that riff? Um, and it's this is and I say riff. It's obviously not a riff. It's a chord progression, right? <laughs> N- nothing. Cause you because you knew what I was gonna do. <laughs> yes, it's a chord progression. Haha, <laughs> we can anticipate each other's. It's not riff based music, bro. Yes. Um, everyone gets that card once per episode. Um, <laughs> but um, it's. Yeah, they are their chord progressions, and they're chord progressions that are mostly just the root note that's mm-hmm. being boosted with fucking reverb. Um, and it keeps dragging along like that, and he layers in some more noise and does some variations, and all of that stuff could be cool. But this terrible chord figure is just in the forefront and he's hanging all this weight on it. He's the problem is I think he's trying to get it to act like a, I kept expecting him to like do something with it, but he's like trying to get it to act like a riff. Um, and you know, to me it's like, this really works like post black, like, Hmm. like atmospheric black metal channel kind of shit. This is like the raw version of that. It's it's the same idea. You have these kind of like big, uh, sort of tender, epic, open mel, open you know kind of kind of open phrase melodies uh, and thin harmony that's being bolstered by reverb abuse. Okay, so, so I mean, so what it kind of boils down to is that it's like sort of empty of content to you. At, Ab- absolutely, yeah, and that th- that chord progression is pointing. It's pointing at a mood, which is a mood I'm amenable to, right? And it's you know, there's a billion melodies you could put over it. There's a million chord progressions like that that would be better, but it is purely pointing at the the outline of a feeling. And uh, you know, in outline, you could write something that is exactly the same album with different like note and chord choices in those places and i'd like it a lot more okay yeah that's fair uh, so yeah no so and then the other thing to mention is like the vast majority of this album is like the parts that you hate like yes the parts absolutely with, like, that, that, a high-speed riff-based stuff is very rare on the no that that is the only time he does a high-speed riff on it and you know that that's fair enough not everything needs to be high-speed catchy riffs right mm-hmm. Um, in fact, better that it not be, um, right? That, that's the, the first thing is like, oh, Black Salisa riff. Um, no, nothing like that on the rest of the album. Um, so there's I, there's something admirable in committing to the stuff that's not... Uh, he knows how to write c- catchy riffs. He knows how to give the people what they want. But then it... Uh, 
he just really commits to this other idea. It's just an idea that I hate. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so... Um, okay, so I guess... So, up front, one of the big things for me is just going to be... I really, really, really just like ultra-minimal plotting DSBM. Which is, mm-hmm. like... Which, in and of itself, is, like, basically not black metal. It's like like listening to yeah, something right, like right. fucking knuckle clang is like, mm-hmm. can you call it black metal? Yeah, he's shrieking and like the guitars have raw production, but it's like musically, does this have anything to do with real black metal? Not, not fucking really. Um, so immediately, I have more patience for that. The other, but so basically, where you see it as empty of content and you see it as um, you know just like hanging way too much on these simple chord progressions. Yeah, but that's like kind of the point to me is that I I feel like first of all you're not supposed to like fucking like intensely listen to this. I I, I don't think that's the point. This is soundtrack music fundamentally. Soundtrack for what? I don't know. Like introspection, just being bummed by yourself, you know? <laughs> wandering around something, some ruins of something, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, but I could make a mixtape with like 50 different tracks for that that are better. Yeah, but they wouldn't have the exact same mood. It's like, it, it, this is yeah, definitely... Yeah, they would. The Kekta Rock record has this mood. Oh, I don't, you see, I don't think so. I, I think this is way more nihilistic and way more, like, hopeless than Cactorock. Cactorock is, like, fundamentally about, you know, like, it, like gay positive stuff at the end of the day. Which, you know, that's one of the reasons I loved for that. This is the flip side of that, where, where this is, like, sort of purely negativistic and, and hopeless music. Um, but on a, on a musical level, I, I think that what's going on is the... Well, it's not riff-based music, bro. But but more to the point, it's like, I don't think that it's so much that the chord progression is what the music is hanging off of. Rather, it's just sort of an anchor that other things develop around. Um, I mean, this is very clearly like timbral and textural music primarily. No, I, I agree. Um, so the, I, I, I'm not bothered by the chord progression stuff because that's merely a sort of like anchoring route to explore the possibility space uh, generated by these these strange tones and all this ring. It's like the, pr- the primary instrument on this album is not a guitar or a keyboard. It's fucking delay. You know? <laughs> Why do you like this and not so much the Ten Horned Beast? Because I think I'm saying about this what you said about the Ten Horned Beast. Well, I mean, you're I, I, making the same case that I made about that. I don't hate the Ten Horned Beast. Um, yeah, that's true. Fair, fair. Um, but it's also what one I like bummer sad boy shit a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it, like yeah. that's that is like an inherent thing that I really enjoy in the same way that like big murky post industrial stuff is just like. That just works for you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think we are the more minimal and austere the music gets, the closer you come to fundamental differences of taste. Like, yeah, yeah. Do, do you like this sound? So, so for instance, let me because uh, I'm going to go head to head on this. Uh, let's listen to right from where you left off another couple minutes of crystalline telesthesia, and then I'll try to explain kind of what's going through my head uh, as uh, after we listen to that. Thank you. 
fuck yeah, dog. I love feeling sad. <laughs> um, so, so, so listening to that back, um, that's all hanging off the parts that you hate. But when I'm listening to it, it's like the the primary color melody in the middle of that is almost like ancillary to what's going on. Uh, I see the way these songs are constructed. Okay, so every one of these songs is like one or two melodic figures, basically. Um, and then the way I see it is, okay, they're an anchor point, and then the, the real music is what's radiating out from that. Because like if you're listening closely, you'll hear lots of sort of subtle ghostly other melodies popping up kind of in the background you know like interesting i don't think there are other melodies i think they just harmonize in different and interesting ways no that's fair yeah so there's there's different kind of harmonic things emerging the production on this is really good they really there's a lot of kind of three-dimensional space going on a lot of stuff moving around between channels sort of floating in this ethereal way and then there's just like subtle augmentations of just like rhythm and pacing you know picking up the tempo dropping it a little bit in a sense it's like it's 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 like you know the the old chestnut about black metal as ambient or electronic music, kind of like you were talking about with Carved Cross. Um, I just think I I like um, I like exploring possibility spaces like this. Like the the main melody itself is it particularly compelling? No, but like it's almost a situation where if the melody was more highly specific, the music couldn't really function around it in the way that, you know what I mean? I just find it like, no, I mean, you could do this with a four chord melody. I just don't, um, I guess maybe I just don't like this guy's ear. That's um, fair. Yeah. Like it's, it's a fundamental taste thing. It's, um, like, I find the melodies are... I get that a lot of the action is happening around the chords, the chord changes. I just... I find them actively grating and interminable. Um, you know, like, it's... And I think the trudge tempo with that is mm -hmm. too much for you, me. You particularly dislike those kinds of, like funeral slog tempos i know yeah. that is that is true someone in the comments said this is kind of like funeral do and i'm like fuck fuck no i mean <laughs> like you can say that about carved cross i think um because there's more structure there mm -hmm. um but like yeah this is yes i do not like the trudge or the plod as rhythmic figures and uh <laughs> this is this is just that and you know this sort of like bright do 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 like i'm not again you know cactaraga is filled with that i'm not necessarily averse to things like that happening but here it's just oh well, um, I, 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 I and, get you know, the, the guitar sounding like the harmonica, like you can have the guitar sounding like the harmonica, but don't make the riff like that. Well, I think that's, I like think that's a synth. Um, okay. Right there. It's a synth. That makes sense. Okay. I hate that synth patch. <laughs> I get you. Well, I, I am noticing another thing. It's like in the way that you connect this to Atmo Black is because mm -hmm. um, like a lot of these melodies, a lot of these melodic figures are really just like stripped down like summoning melodies. Um, and yeah, summoning yeah, yeah, yeah. summoning is sort of the accidental snake's head of the whole like Atmo Black movement. No, I absolutely get what you mean. You take literally that melody and you put some reverb and some polished 
So you just put some like stadium reverb and some like canned blast beats under it. It's like and everyone's like, and you put a cover with some nature on it, and everyone in the comments is like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, but I do, I do think the um, I, I'll, I'll get more to this when we get to my second sample, but I do mm-hmm. think there's an interesting thing that happens when you're combining these very kind of bright major key melodies with an aesthetic and textures that just invert them so completely. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I like the idea, and I, I like it in execution when most bands do this, of making sort of cheery, triumphant melodies into these sort of miserable fucking things. You know, it's a, yeah, it's it, like a special thing for me. I certainly get that. It certainly makes more sense as music that is supposed to be miserable, but like, yeah, not my thing. Um, That's fair. Um, so... With that, you know, I think the strong... Uh, what I set up front about it being neither here nor there, right? Basically, I think there's still too much riff here. Um, like, uh, I, you know, so yeah, Mirror of Divination, number two, works exactly the same way as number one, except worse. It's a one bright one four. Yeah. Duh, duh, <laughs> duh, duh. Uh, but without the thrash riffs. Um, and it's... um. Uh, that was the one where I really just wanted to kill myself in the DSBM way. Um, uh, this is um, this track. I sort of became interested again. Um, uh, there's the poisonous apparition um, in Which the middle. Is, and interesting, I think this is the weakest song on the album. This is this yeah, well, is very interesting. This no, just this. Yeah, you this, like the fruity shit. Well, yeah, no, I just I, you are correct though. It's like as we get to more and more minimal stuff, that's where we start to diverge. Like anything yeah. like more complex with, than this, we agree on like ninety nine percent of shit. It's only when the, you get this the, that, reduced, you know. That is very true. It's just like I like the sound. Yeah. <laughs> that is what we're doing here is we're arguing between I don't like the sound versus I, I like, like the sound. <laughs> All right. So I, I like the riff. <laughs> I like yeah. the stock. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So in this case, I like the absence of the riff. Okay.
No. <laughs> not the not the echoey flute synth. Um. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it is always a joy when I can. I, I, I like. I will say here, like this one, you're not even as that midnight betrothed. You like. It felt like you were almost mad at me when I brought that on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. I was like... You, you were like, we need to have a fucking talk. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how could you do... Like, you did the thing, it's like, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm making a scene in the shopping mall and you're grabbing me by the back of the arm right above the elbow. It's like, don't fucking do this. <laughs> No, no, I'm not getting you a second Slurpee. Um, <laughs> exactly. The, um, uh, this is, oh my God, this is like, so, okay, but so I wanted to talk about the part I liked, which was the part before that. That basically just happens there, and it doesn't really happen again for the rest of the record. We return to the basic kind of mood, but for the first two minutes... It's, or I guess we start at 50 seconds in, really first three minutes, but he cuts some build up. You just get this thing where the, um, the sort of the flute synth goes away, the sort of ascending things go away, and suddenly there's just the shadow of a, of a melodic idea, just a pulse. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that, but just with that, it's pulse. He gets off the grid. The other thing I don't like about those chord progressions things is they're super gridded. If you're yeah. just playing the root note, like, you know, it's, they, 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 they move rhythmically in exactly the expected way, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, we've talked enough about grid stuff in the past. But yeah, so this is a little more, this gives them a chance to kind of lock into a, a groove of some kind and the um and the drums under it fill in right you start to get that you were saying those are very summoning drums yeah just the 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 sort of tribal tom hit yeah. stuff and you know that like little that little alternating phrase would not um be nearly as powerful on its own if it weren't interacting with this sustained drone over it right there's like you got the and under it you got he might be using the flute synth there but in a much more hollowed out and spectral way Mm -hmm. um and uh i don't know there you just i start to feel the different layers interacting and grinding with each other and the um uh there's there's yeah some rhythmic stuff going on um Ironically, right? There's even less riff here, but this is aside from the first part of the record. This is the riffiest part on the album because mm. it has some move. There are fewer notes, and there's no melody happening, but there's just like more drive in it. This is mm. more like a riff. Um, it's also it's it's a couple interesting things. It's also like the Ur Graveland riff, right? You know, if you go, you know, but here he's just doing alternating. And also for him, he's getting down at the melodic figure that really fascinates him on this record, which is one, two, two. Right. Right. And there's a lot of tension 
you can do a lot of like you know one two six gets you a lot of like powerful tension and stuff like that if you're doing like more minor key sounding stuff and here he's just playing with that kind of the way that the two wants to pull away from the one and just focusing in on that and playing the guitar you know uh and putting all the reverb and the layers here it's it's the most electronic as it is on any point on the record and i like this best forget about the melody focus on interacting layers play and so there's well like as the drumming takes off right oh, <laughs> there's wow. a moment of like you what? uh you you like broke out completely can you kind of restart at the beginning of your sentence Okay, like how far back? Uh, just go like 10 seconds ago. You dropped for like a big chunk of time. Okay, can you check in the... Rec that would probably be a pain in the ass to check in the recording, right? But, uh... Um, okay, I mean, I yeah, can, so... I can just stitch something together. You can I'll, I'll just start again. Okay, so I'll start on my last bullet point. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you know, here where he's... This is where it's the most electronic, and I think that is the strongest moment on the record. Where he forgets about this kind of um, the melodies he's hanging so much weight on, and just focuses on these uh, simple interacting layers, playing the reverb, and creating these sort of driving drum parts. There's even a moment of uh, black metal-y drama when the vocals drop in there. I, you, we were listening, I was like, oh, that's heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, um... So yeah, like I, insofar as I think it's this kind of neither here nor there, I think if he pushes this more towards full electronic or a more austere version of electronic music, right? Because you, you're kind of also a pre, to you, you hear those kinds of melodies as part of this kind of uh, synthy downer music that that you like. Yeah, right? yeah, pretty much. So, so a certain if you pushed it towards more kind of abstract or um, uh, noisy electronic music, I'd like it more. Okay, yeah, okay, I I, I get I, I get the um, the fundamental issues that you take with mm -hmm. this. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, so, so my last sample, uh, just real quick, uh, I would go to the track "Beyond Back to the Origin," and. Mm -hmm. Again, we're going to hear kind of the summoning thing going on, these big, bold kind of primary color melodies. But kind of, I, I had touched on it before, the thing that this record does that I like so much is taking these sort of triumphant, like almost happy melodies and um, c contextualizing them in such a way that they become fucking miserable, you know? Mm -hmm. Um through the kind of endless repetition, through the scratchiness of everything around it, it's it, it it's like it's it's channeling a sort of like you know black metal like you know wandering through the ruins of a great empire thing you know which is what a lot of black metal bands do. But the thing is, it's like the other black metal bands are like you know, and we're gonna bring it back you know we're we're gonna we're gonna have this like sort of pagan resurgence. Uh, this is like no, that's not gonna happen. It's just fucking over. It's just it, it's done. It's it's dusted, 
Everyone's fucking dead. Nobody remembers it. You're gonna fucking die. I'm gonna die. It just everything is uh, everything. End is of Dark awful. Souls three. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I end of the DLC. Yeah. yeah. And I think that uh, I I think that this track uh, conveys that mood very successfully. Yeah, I want to die. 